We're here, we're queer, get into it. I'm James O'Hagan and this is Curiosity, proudly presented by LGBT Ireland, the National LGBT Support Service. Whatever's on your mind, LGBT Ireland's helpline volunteers are here to listen seven days a week on 1800 929 539. Coming up on the show today, Podrick and I will get you up to speed on some of the week's top LGBTQI plus stories in our Rainbow Roundup. Queer Irish pop artist Cormac Todd joined us to chat about his brand new single, Don't Call Me When I'm Famous, and preparing for his live dates across the UK and Ireland later this year. And he'll chat about some of his musical influences. Uh, with the pressure of this time of year to pay for the excesses uh, of the Christmas period, nutritionist Neve Orbinski joins us to talk about how we can find peace and freedom around our food and our bodies. And with Eurosong hopefuls revealed throughout this week, we're going to be joined by Connor from the Eurovision podcast and the editor of the Eurovision Hub to take a look at this year's lineup. But before we get to any of that, he's the ye to my haw, Podrick Wilson McCarthy. How did that one sit with you? <laughs> That's a str- Are you running out of them? I am running. <laughs> Out of them. You've committed to it now. I know. So the week I've you don't to do the bit. The, the week you don't do one, I'm actually going to leave you for dead. I'm like, oh, she's she's burnt out. I, it is. It's getting more and more difficult. Yeah, I, I don't have to blame say. you. I don't blame famous jewels. Famous jewels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will come up with a few. I'm sure. I'm sure. How are you getting on? It, very exciting this week, I have to say. Took the first big step towards home ownership when I oh. met with the old broker to start talking about mortgages and all of that carry on. Oh my God. And I was going to say it's because it's Eurosong week. <laughs> Different priorities. Different, Different priorities. priorities. Same excitement though. Same excitement. Absolutely. I'm absolutely glued to the radio every day. How archaic though that we have to listen to the radio and wait for it for the song to be released. But they're just trying to bring a bit of that like old they school are, excitement. They you are. Know? Now some of the stories around the release of the song have been brilliant because like, the other day they were talking about stamps and the next thing they were going into the Eurovision song and then it was something hor- some horrendous news afterwards and I was like this isn't sitting quite now, correctly. Now was that the Spice Girl stamps? I don't know what the stamps. Oh, no, so they, no, they, they've, inc- to, no, they've increased the price of stamps. That's oh, what they here. were talking well, look, about. I don't care about those stamps, but they have released a 30th anniversary set of Spice Girl stamps in the UK, obviously. And I almost the other night, you know, when you're kind of mindlessly on the couch and you're just sort of, you know, scrolling around different things. Yeah. I almost mindlessly spent 110 euro on a framed <laughs> uh, kind of display of all nine of the Spice how Girl did you, stamps. How is the mortgage broken going on? <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, thankfully, that. thankfully, I was yeah. like, I was stopped Actually, right in the nick that, of time. Right, very quickly, I know that it's not in a rainbow r- roundup this week because I've done enough fangirling over girl bands. <laughs> but Mel B's leaking stuff there all week. She's like, there's an announcement coming, and everyone's going to be weak. And also, all members are involved, including Becky. Oh, Victoria Becks, Vicky B. Well, listen. Let us not let let us not like hold back anymore. Let us get into that news. Of course, James. Now, first of all, I'm taking. I can't believe I'm giving. This fella more airtime, right? But I'm taking us to Vatican City because the Pope is up to his old tricks again. Oh. Now, look, he, like Pope, in fairness, Pope Francis had cleaned up his image not so long ago because he was, you know, he was advocating and he was saying that, you know, um, same-sex couples could have blessings and sure we were all delighted I know, with we were delighted with ourselves. We were delighted with ourselves. But now he's gone and he said that um, he's called for a ban on what he has called deplorable surrogate pregnancies. Now, I am going to have what I think is a controversial opinion on this one. Go for it. In that I <laughs> sort of believe that the, the 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 Catholic Church headed by the Pope is sort of like a, a private organisation of sorts and they are entitled to have kind of whatever 
thoughts they want. Now, they shouldn't be able to impact people's lives yeah. to some extent. But I kind of think because this applies across the board, so it's like they're not just saying gays can't have surrogate babies. Yeah. They're saying no one should be able to have surrogate babies. I'm like, get your life. Have that be what you think. That's not necessarily how the... Like, it's going to yeah. be very kind of gun. What you want to be or what you want to do is not necessarily what you're going to do. But I do think that, you know, I kind of think it just shows how out of step he is with the is reality. The this is the thing. And what's most frustrating about it is like, you know... Sometimes it seems like he's always doing a dig at our community, yes. but actually he's just annoying everyone now because, yeah. like, like it's very important to remember that surrogacy doesn't just exist among same-sex couples. And this is the thing: it's like the the the, the majority of people who are accessing kind of you know who who are who are using surrogates in order to to to, to have children are people who just can't do it any other way. Yeah, that it's people for whom that there are you know medical complications or there may have been like prior treatments for diseases, totally. and it's like these are the people who are mostly impacted by this like the reality is the number of same-sex couples who are having who are having children who are having children through surrogacy is very low now everyone should have equal access to it and everyone should have the right to do it and, and it, where it exists it should be highly regulated so that the women at the center of it are being like properly taken care of but like in reality i kind of go you know get your life girl if you want to say that you think it's deplorable and no one should have it you're absolutely entitled yeah. to like have totally that opinion. have it you can have the opinion but like and just leave it there now, like also would you stop getting involved in things that have nothing to do with yeah, you here step back stay do, out <laughs> look at Pope do francis less, do less frank yeah do less yeah stay frank <laughs> stay in the bedroom but i do i did i do <laughs> remember now I was reading a bit about this that this um, announcement or this kind of proclamation or whatever it was was part of kind of like a, a broader speech to do with kind of like almost a state of the world of Catholicism yeah. or whatever yeah. and there was one thing I noticed when it, there, was a, there was a bit of a breadcrumb within it that I noticed that I kind of thought actually I do wish this was getting more attention within the LGBTQ spaces yeah. where he actively said that like he he challenged any change to the understanding of gender he reaffirmed that the position of the church is that gender is binary based on male or female and he said that any sort of complications around that or any kind of like attempts to, to redefine how gender is understood is kind of you know uh, essentially it, it, it's not appropriate yeah. So that's very much, very directly calling out our, our trans and gender non-conforming and non-binary uh, kind of communities. And I think that's where we need to be slapping back yeah. a bit. Yeah, and it's about time we slapped back. It, absolutely. It? Um, for religion, I'm taking you across <laughs> to politics. I'm actually my political era. And only this week because France have... France have appointed a new prime minister. So the way they do it over there is uh, their president Macron. Yeah. He appoints the the, the, prime, the prime minister. minister. Yeah. It's not done by by vote or whatever. Um, and they have just appointed Gabriel or Gabriel Attal. I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he's a gay man, and that's all I know. <laughs> But it is, like, I mean, I think that, like, you know, it's great to see kind of, you know, he seems to be a bit of a wonder child. Anything I've read about him, he seems to just have, like, sort of come out of nowhere. Look, he started at, like, 23 working some government job and now he's president. It's like this. Typically, we are very successful, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, As a we community, are. we're high achievers, aren't we? We are. We've, we've a lot we of are. shame that we we're trying to make high. up for. We've a lot of shame we're <laughs> yeah, trying to... Yeah, and we do it so well. <laughs> But he's only 34 years of age. I was absolutely disgusted. That means he is nearly a full decade younger than me. And I'm like, you know, I used to, I used to like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a number, a matter of days younger than Prince William and Britney Spears. And I've always been like, well, look, they're right ahead of me. As long as I'm still young, as long as I'm younger than Prince, Prince yeah, William totally. and, and, and Britney Spears. But now this 34 year old has come along yeah. and is the president and of France. He's 
easy on the eye is all I'm going to say. But he's coming because um, Elizabeth Bourne resigned only last week. She was the former uh, Prime Minister. She left because um, she recently brought in some like anti-immigration laws basically yeah. making it easier to deport foreign people from the country. So Atal has come in at a time where I think President Macron, Macron feels like his government needs, he needs a bit of shoring they up. need yeah and there's been a lot of there's been a lot of comparisons between the two of them because they're both kind of they're both young they're both quite dynamic yeah, they're both totally. easy on the eye yeah. now neither French of them French people in general neither actually. of them are dating an Olsen unlike the previous <laughs> 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 you know I think which is more camp is like I being know. a 34k look, okay man or, we'll or have to see how he does Olsen. I know that the, like there are mixed reviews about him because I know that he was um the Minister for Education there yeah. for quite a while and he brought in this rule where, you know, there was no one allowed to wear long robes anymore which mainly affected Muslim people and and his idea behind that was apparently to make it more equal across the board yeah. and make it more accessible especially like the price of uniforms and stuff. Some people saw it as a race kind of thing so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what he does for the country no, and I, I hope think, that it does go well. I think so and I think it, it is interesting because I think that within our community we always cheer when a new, we always cheer for a brand new queer and yeah. sometimes we have been let down yeah. in the past. I Caitlin Jenner has proven that not every time someone Boo. comes out is it, is it like a, an out and out success story for, for the LGBT agree. community I completely agree we're going to take it home now okay Dancing with the Stars it's back on our screens and it comes with plenty of camp sequins and glitter as loving usual it. as loving it um, and this year hot in the heels of Panty Bliss's success last year uh, there's another drag queen We've got Blue Hydrangea. Queen of the Mother Tucking World. Queen of the Mother Tucking World. And she has slayed it already. She Absolutely. topped the board last week. A lot of people are saying, oh my God, who knew that Blue Hydrangea could top anything? But she did win a series <laughs> of drag race. But this is the thing I have to say now. I, like, Blue Hydrangea is a fantastic queen. Like, so now, this is, this is like, you know, this is going insider football for people who yeah. like drag race. But like, if you are a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, you you would not necessarily have put Blue Hydrangea in the choreo queen category. Absolutely You not. would not have seen her being. And the way she came out, and I think the way she came out and slayed that showed me that actually the skills that she's probably worked on over the last number of years as a drag queen where she's been like having to learn choreo really quickly for routines, where she's having to change up things kind of very, where she's had to like be able to like do a bit of performance, maybe to cover up mistakes. That's going to stand to her so well. She is also insanely like Incredibly likeable, and the thing about it is, sometimes you forget that she's even a drag queen. I think you know what I mean because she's got that really amicable, amicable quality about her. And also, what I love about that is you're putting her in a prime time television slot on RTE, yeah. where it's going to be people who don't are, are don't don't have experience of drag at all, and they're going to be watching it. So there's people around the country who have you know don't don't see drag queen, yeah. drag queens in the way that our community might see them, and they're going to see them on prime time television. And she is a wonderful ambassador for that community as well. So I think that's going to be really really good, really exciting. And you, who knows. You never know she could go on to get the win. Another well, snatch the crown again. We we would say add that glitter ball, girl. Yeah, we I have think to it's wait probably a bit more valuable than the prize for um <laughs> for, for for UK versus the world. But yeah, you know, I know. Listen. There you go. We get her on primetime TV yet. <laughs> so that's everything for this week's news, James. Well, look, I'm excited. I'll be tuning in to um. I'll yeah, be... it's well worth a watch. Yeah, no, it, it says is. January as well, and then also, of course, it's just very camp. Yeah, exactly. It? No, we you love know? it. We love the spray tans. We love the sequins. Absolutely. We love a few a few a few strapping looking fellas there ripping I mean, their shirts off we're not complaining there's no complaints no, no here. complaints anyway. Co- 
Coming up, we are chatting to Cormac Todd, as James said already, about his new single, Don't Call Me When I'm Famous. But first, we spoke about her last week. We predicted that she might be in the charts again. And she's not back. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. No, 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 not yet. But if she was to come out with a track, I'm telling you, first airplane would be FTX, right here. Get in there, yeah, write, that, write those tracks, girl. Not quite as iconic as Gypsy Rose, but an icon in her own right. It's Sophia Despexter and Murder on the Dance Floor on Curiosity. It's Murder on the Dance Floor. You better not kill the groom, DJ. Gonna burn this goddamn house right down. We are going to be playing some new queer Irish music a little bit later by singer-songwriter Cormac Todd. But before we do, described as having an exceptional talent, some exceptional creativity, drive, business acumen and a sound that transcends all others by Flannel Magazine, Cormac joins us to tell us about his music and his new single Don't Call Me When I'm Famous. Cormac, welcome to Curiosity. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Very well, thank you. Listen, Cormac, we'll jump straight in, right? For those who might not be familiar with you, give us a bit about your background and what what influenced your decision in becoming a musician. Um, So I'm from Dundalk originally. So I lived, I moved to London about five years ago. Um, What made me become a musician? I guess I always did musical things growing up. I did a lot of theatre. Lovely. A bit of piano as a child. I've been singing since I was, since I could nearly walk, (laughs) actually. And I always just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed kind of exploring different genres and different styles of singing and then settled on pop music eventually. And Cormac, like your move from Dundalk to London, was that, was music an influence in that? So it was actually quite transitional. So I initially, st- I moved to Dublin for college and then moved to London after that. Um, it, re- it really wasn't actually. So I, de- it was a complete career change. So I had a bit of a science background actually. Um, and then decided to pursue music when I moved, after I moved to London. So I moved with a job. And then I remember I was like out on a date or something in London. And I'd seen it, like there's a, there's a very good, um, music scene in London and there's yeah, a lot of people trying to build their artist brands yeah and I just saw a lot of people doing it and I was like oh, I really want to do that I've been singing my whole life and writing and doing all that stuff for mm-hmm. fun and I never went on a second date with this guy um, but he's very <laughs> but he inspired nice inspired his life change <laughs> what a pivot and I said yeah um, yeah, so you were, you were talking, I suppose, about how it took you a while to to kind of figure out what your vibe was and find the genre that you uh, yeah. that you, you you wanted to land on, and that you kind of I don't suppose you, you you moved to London and started exploring that a bit more seriously. Would you say that your your mm-hmm. background, your Irish background, has influenced your songwriting style or 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 your kind of the the artist that you are? Majorly, I would say majorly. Um, like even uh, as as Irish people, like we know countless people that just have a random mm-hmm. instrument or musical affiliation or like affiliation um so i think it is as irish people like it is really in kind of i want to say our dna yeah. it's ingrained in um us. and dundalk is actually a bit of a hotbed for musicians as well it I really is that actually isn't yeah, it? yeah. No, it's got a great is trad music big really in, in dundalk there's lots of people there's lots yeah. of people you've got like david keenan you've got the chords you've got negro and pacto um, you've got amac like the list goes on um and yeah, I guess 
it's just it's it's in our culture isn't it even over christmas like we're all having sing songs with yeah. my family and there's there's an anyway. element of storytelling in music as well oh, isn't there, there is that 100%. we're so very good at yeah yeah that's, that's what it is and i think we all we like you know whenever there's a celebration there's music isn't there yeah, yeah absolutely totally. Unprompted. Uh, yeah, no, really. Whether you want it or not, go. yeah. So suddenly you're being shushed, and the more in the in the so that someone in the corner can stand up and do a song. And would you say like there, there are any particular kind of artists that would have really influenced your sound as you were developing it? As I was developing it, so I really love Labyrinth um, and Frank Ocean for their the way they mm-hmm. construct songs. I listened to a lot of Ingrid Michaelson growing up, which um, she's a super super popular songwriter. Um, and then in a more mainstream, I love the kind of um, attention to detail that like Beyonce has on her vocal ability and the way she like develops yeah. her voice and expresses her voice. So lot, lots of lots of bits of of huge artists that um, kind of a mosaic that comes together. My own. Brilliant. Yeah, but, it's not necessarily trying to sound like them, but it's just like really admiring yeah. the way yeah, they approach absolutely. things. Absolutely. I read that you've collaborated with some huge names in the industry. I think. Uh, Pete Smith was one of them and uh, former yeah. Eurovision contestant Leslie Roy was another person that you've worked with in the past how have these yes. collaborations shaped I suppose your musical your musical journey so yeah so I've been lucky enough to meet both of them and work with both of them and it's been such a such an education um, and they're both lovely lovely people uh, Pete was my mentor when I was studying music um, a few years ago and helped me develop my first single um, he taught me actually not to take music so personally in the best way because um, sometimes when you write music you feel very attached to it because like it's something that you've developed and it's like your baby um, initially and then he, he taught me to like kind of look at it as like a project and be able to like detach your sense of self um, which was amazing and then he was very he's very good at um, just like hook based construct like structured songwriting so that was amazing and then Leslie, we collaborated on, so she had this competition when she was doing the Eurovision for her single Maps. Yeah. And you had to just put in like a reworked version of her song, which I did. And then fortunately, I was able to uh, win that competition and do a writing wow. session with her. Which That's was so amazing. cool. On that note... It's very topical mm. at the moment, and I and I'm I for one and one I'm pushing it all all of all of today's mm. show. Uh, your song mm. is just around the corner. Is your your vision something that you might consider in the future? Definitely in the future. There was a bit of we I we did kind of go down that lane a little bit this year. Like it's um, a huge platform. It is massive. It's massive, and like so, I I was actually lucky enough to go over to um, Sweden and cut a demo um, to submit for the for the competition this year which i think we're still going to release actually but it's definitely something i would i'll do i'd love to do in the future okay, cool. but we'll i think there's amazing yet. has it been announced yet no yet. We, we've just gotten the songs this week yeah we've just gotten the songs this week some great <laughs> oh actually goodness, yeah you know. it looks like we've stepped it up a little bit but uh we could we could use your help maybe in the yeah, future for sure. abs- absolutely oh very nice very um, nice well so, hopefully next year <laughs> well, this is it coming amazing. around the corner uh, you mentioned a bit of how your, your songwriting mentor had kind of helped you kind of you know maybe depersonalize a bit of the way in which you construct songs but I'm just wondering like as a queer performer and particularly in like the current climate where there's so much negative focus and attention around kind of queer identities has your identity as a sort of a, a queer musician really has that bled into um to, i suppose to your work and also like has it like 
get given rise to any sort of challenges for you as as you try and make this like make this name for yourself and carry on yeah so definitely definitely sure it's it's you know it's it is part of my identity as a person so I, I, the way I do make music is very much an extension of my person while trying not to be too attached to it, as, as I said. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think particularly what I what I love about queerness is like queerness for me is, is expression and open expression. So mm-hmm. I feel that I've, because I was queer, I don't think I'd actually be a musician if I wasn't queer mm. because music, I definitely use it as like somewhere, to, something to channel my energy and like to, you know, it's it's hard to be queer growing up. As yeah, a teenager, yeah. um, so that's definitely where I put my energy, um, because it it is difficult at school and all that stuff from my experience anyway, and then challenges I would say definitely, um, particularly, in so you know it's it's a funny one sometimes. You might I'm choosing my words here, but sometimes you <laughs> might um be in situations where a team might want you to present more masculine yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sometimes yeah and then but sometimes they like they want to lean into a trend or a perceived trend yeah. from their front yeah yeah and it's just important they to want you to be more feminine but actually those things aren't even linked to your sexuality yeah, you know yeah I mean? of course so it's, it's, it's it's really funny yeah. but um there is a lot of pressure sometimes and you know important to, 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 to your life you know yeah. this is your person it's it's not yeah. a brand but then it, it like music is a brand so it's yeah. like a funny <laughs> yeah totally and like, i think i think brand, being auth- it's a funny barrier that you have to draw yeah yeah being authentically yourself as well will, will help you being authentically yourself i suppose will help you people will, will find you more relatable and, and i think enjoy your music more on on that of, of music your new single don't call me when i'm famous it's out now uh, yeah. And we're going to play it a little bit later. You've said the tra- the track focuses on themes of manifestation, self belief, and reaching for your goals. Tell us a bit yes. about the song, what it's about for you, and your motivation behind writing it. Um. So yeah, it's it's basically about self belief and backing yourself before you've actually done anything. Okay. Um, and I think we all we often see success stories, but we forget that there's like a five year. 10 year grind yeah yeah before that yeah um and so it's just it's just to recognize that and like i wrote it yeah i wrote it when i was starting out in music because you know it it like objectively it's it's a ridiculous career choice <laughs> you know what i mean to like say i'm gonna be a singer because like sure. i didn't know anybody that's ever done that before um so I did feel like people were just not concerned, but like in a, in a really nice way, they were like, Cormac, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You it's, know, but in a nice way, like not in, a, not in like a, I want to stop you, but I just more like, are you being rational? Sure. And it, uh, it's, a, it's so a brilliant track. It's like, thank you. It's a brilliant and track. It's a play on, do you know the way the phrase, don't forget me when you're famous? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Cormac, we have to leave it there. But before we do okay, go, will you just okay. let us know where people can find out with some more information about yourself? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, just my name, Cormac Todd, and TikTok as well. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Thank you so much for chatting to us. No, thank you so much. It's been great. Will you remember me when you hear this melody? Flashback history from summers long ago. Thought you'd seen the last of me. There was magic you couldn't see. Fireworks inside of me just waiting for the show 
Researchers found that due to greater emphasis on physical appearance in the gay community, members of the LGBTQI plus community and gay men in particular may be more likely than their heterosexual counterparts to experience body image concerns, which can sometimes manifest in higher levels of eating disorder symptoms and graded levels of body dissatisfaction. Joining us now to share how people can begin to find peace and freedom around food and their body is nutritionist, intuitive eating counsellor, yoga teacher and author Neve Orbinski. Thank you so much for chatting us today, Neve. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to chatting. Hi, Neve. <laughs> Neve, look, Hi, I, yeah. to, to kick us off, right, like I've I've certainly felt it in the past and I, I've seen it with friends as well. There is an incredible amount of pressure within the LGBTQ plus community to achieve a certain type of body or a certain body type and anti-fat bias and weight stigma, they all lead to, I suppose, an unhealthy relationship with food and, and we, we know that this can also, you know, turn into, you know, eating disorders and, 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 and serious issues around eating and food and our weight. How do we begin to, I suppose, uncouple ourselves from this way of thinking? Yeah, and there's so many things I could start with and I yeah. could share with you, but you're exactly right. It's very much embedded in our society that a very particular body shape and size is acceptable. And I think the most important first step is to start by educating yourself on why this is problematic. Mm. And you can do this by very importantly listening to people with lived experience, by you know examining your own history what's it been like for you when you've pursued that thin ideal or that body ideal? Um, how's, it, how's it affected you physically, mentally, emotionally? And start to challenge these deep-seated belief systems around weight and really redefine the meaning of beauty because beauty has been given this very narrow definition, I think, in our society, whereas beauty can mean so many different things to different people. And one thing that uh, a lot of my clients actually say is really helpful when they start this process is curating their social media feed. So mm-hmm. make sure that you're following, you know, a wide range of different body sizes and shapes. So you're exposing yourself to the reality of body diversity. And all of this will begin to disrupt the idea and kind of make it less sticky that only one type of body is acceptable. Because if we can't loosen this idea, it's very hard to move on with the process and start healing your relationship with your own body. I, I have to say that sort of curating your Instagram feed is so, like I find that so useful yeah. in particular. I have kind of a, a year or two ago, kind of when I started on a journey around my own attitude and, and relationship with my body, the first thing I did is I went through and just looked at accounts. I was like, are these people bringing me joy or are they yeah. making me feel yeah. bad about myself? And you do, you do naturally compare yourself to people. Oh, you, you know absolutely I mean? do. And I think especially with Instagram, it's very easy to compare yourself to these people that are, that are on Instagram. But it's also important to remember that their life revolves around that. Exactly. Like this is their exactly. job. They're getting paid yeah, to, yeah. to look this way. Well, actually, I, I suppose that that brings on. I suppose the, the sort of pervasiveness of diet culture in our in our, our society has created this kind of false equation between health and thin thinness, and then that kind of has evolved connotations of laziness, unhealthiness, and other harmful stereotypes for people in bigger bodies. What are some of the impacts for people who experience weight stigma that you may have seen among your own clients, or just sort of in stories that you've seen on, on the internet? And you know, what is the impact of like internalizing these messages around our own bodies? Yeah, again, so many. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's nice to kind of, or not nice, but but effective to look at the different categories of how this can affect us. So it can really affect us physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and financially as well. So 
you know, from a physical perspective, when people experience weight stigma, firstly, they'll avoid situations where they'll uh, experience that weight stigma or have experienced it in the past. So from a physical perspective, they might avoid going to get physical health checkups. They might avoid going to um, their smear or checking a mole or even just going to their GP to talk about something completely unrelated to their weight for fear of that stigma that they might experience. Um, also, they might pursue dieting in an attempt to escape the stigma. And we know that dieting leads to long-term weight gain and specifically weight cycling, which I think, James, is often not spoken about enough, but weight cycling is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular yeah. disease, for inflammation, for high blood pressure. And um, that we know, irrespective of weight, happens when you lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. So there's weight cycling process um, really affects your physical health. And it's also really stressful. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. from a physiological perspective. When you experience stigma, you go into a, 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 um, anywhere. You go into a, a GBP's office or you experience stigma on the Lewis or, you know, out in a nightclub. That is stressful. And your body yeah, absorbs totally. that and that affects your physical health. No, completely it does. Completely. Our relationships with our bodies are extremely complex, and I I know for myself, like you know, on a Monday I could wake up and I could feel I could be feeling my own oats, and then on the Tuesday I could feel terrible about myself, and without even realizing it, most of us have internalized a lot of messaging over the years, um, that we need to look a certain way or we need to be a certain weight, um, and we 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 have to engage in like extreme exercise to be a good person. In your experience, how can you start? fostering body positive and uh, anti-diet attitudes? Well, the very first step is to just recognise and acknowledge the damage that dieting does and that this focus on the body has on your physical and mental emotional and emotional health. And, you know, I often recommend that people... Education at the beginning of the journey is really important. And I, I actually found this when I moved into... Uh, a weight-inclusive um, way of practicing because I wasn't trained in that way. I was trained in the, the weight-centric um, traditional form of practice. And, um, you know, I spent a long time reading, listening, um, looking at studies. Like, not The general public don't need to look at studies, but, <laughs> uh, you know, reading, listening to podcasts. That really helped because, like I said earlier, it starts to uh, loosen this, idea that I can only be happy or healthy or successful if I am a certain size. So the education piece and the acknowledgement of the damage is really important to start fostering mm -hmm. that um, sense of body positivity. We've got we've only got a couple of minutes left, but I think one of the, the aspects of your work is that you're an intuitive eating counsellor and people may not be necessarily familiar with what intuitive eating is. So I'd just be interested if you'd, I, I suppose, uh, kind of tell us a bit about that and how it could contribute to promoting kind of an overall well-being and body acceptance. Yeah, so um, I have a whole podcast episode on intuitive eating, so I'm going to give you a little brief explanation <laughs> of what it is. Um, but... Basically, intuitive eating helps you to reprogram your relationship with food, and it's a non-diet approach that helps us to tune into internal cues over external ones. So what I mean by that is internal cues are hunger cues, satisfaction cues, fullness cues, and also the physical sensation of emotions and what you feel on the inside. External cues are looking to a diet plan or an Instagram guru to tell you 
what to eat, how much to eat, and when to eat. So it's really putting you back in the driver's seat of your relationship with food. And when you're connected to your internal cues, you're in a much better position to be able to look at health promoting behaviours from this place of desiring it rather than feeling like you have to do it, like it's being pushed onto you. No, absolutely. I, I think that like I, you said about previously about kind of like listening to podcasts or like reading books from people who've been on this journey, and I think that's really helpful to help you kind of understand it. And in the subject of reading books, you yourself have published <laughs> a wonderful book, No Apologies, um, mm-hmm. which is a guilt-free guide to ditching diet culture. Um, we've got about a minute left. If you want to tell us a bit about that, and just where people can come and, and follow you, because I do think seeing content that reinforces this me- messaging is so important to help you moving moving away from it in your in your own mind. Yeah, so um, the book uh, is a compilation, I guess, of years of working with clients, and it walks through this three-phase system that I developed over those years to help people rebuild their relationship with food. Um, and you can find it anywhere, all major bookstores, on audiobook, on ebook, and you can follow me on Instagram, very simple, at Nutrition With Me, and you can learn more about it there. Thank you so much for chatting us today, Neve. Thanks, it's Neve. really fantastic. This is a subject I think you know it's, it's applicable to the society at large, but I do think within the queer community we can for be sure. have we have specific needs to to address the issues that we have around around uh, body dissatisfaction and our relationships with our with our bodies. So I think it's an important one for us to start having here as well. So thank you very much for, Thanks, for chatting Neve. to us today. Thanks so much. Over the last week, a short list of six songs in the running to represent Ireland in this year's Eurovision were revealed. Now, here to dissect them is Connor Devlin of the podcast Eurovision. Connor, welcome to Curiosity. Thank you so much for having me. There's it's so great to much be we're delighted to, to dig into this now. Yeah, You've absolutely. Got... We've got loads to cover, right? So I'm going to get stuck straight in. Yes, On Monday, first up, it was Erica Cody and her song "Love Me Like I Do." Now, Erica's a seasoned professional. She also has always said, like that she wanted to represent Ireland yes. what do we think is the, so- is the song strong enough I think so it kinda, it, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Melody Festivalen yes. oh my god this is so Melfest okay. so okay. Melfest and yeah it's a bit Dua Lipa it's a bit kind of retro if she can deliver it live, I'm all here for it. I think we need another bop like Brooke, so yeah. um, I'm here yeah. for it. I think so too. I have to say, it's been growing on me as I've been listening to it over the course of the week. Initially, I heard it and I was like, this is so generic. This is so... But actually, as you listen to it more, the lyrics are like, you know, they're Spicy, you know, yeah. PG. Yeah. What, I, what I love about Erica <laughs> is Erica wants it as well. Like, you know what I mean? She wants uh, to do well. Apparently, she yeah, does. She really does. <laughs> and she, she has been for years. And I think she is involved in the selection process in ye- pre- ye- yeah, previous years. Yeah, she was on years. the jury last year. She's been on the jury. Yeah. She knows, so like, uh, she knows the ins and outs of she the does she, she knows the way around the dance floor to. and she knows her way around a recording studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Tuesday saw Ailsa being revealed as the second act to make the lineup with uh, her song was a mix of heavy metal with some traditional Irish sounds and featured lyrics of Gaelga. Uh, what's the reaction to Gatobin bin? Because it, it was a very, a very unusual overall song. Like I was thinking, listen, like I don't know if, I, if you're familiar with a band called Sleigh Bells, like a noise rock band yes, from a million years ago. Definitely. I was like, this is very unusual for an Irish entry mm. yeah it's a bit mental isn't it it's it kind of like you're listening <laughs> yeah. to it and you're just going like well, what am and I like, listening if you, if to even if you direct or uh, directly translate the lyrics it's kind of like oh, it's questionable yeah but I actually I thought when I first heard the song that was my initial worry of like oh I'm with Catacomb Douglas yeah. really yeah. 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 like, especially when we've been pushing for Irish for so long yes. is that yeah, what yeah, we want to yeah, be yeah. presenting but because it's kind of a making fun of how we retain Irish as yeah. adults and going yeah. into life we only really know good tub because you, you used it in your essay yes. yeah. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. so I, li- I like that kind of approach that she's done it yeah. and you know if it's an introduction to Irish to Eurosong I'm happy for it absolutely and she 
definitely is blown up online. Yeah, totally. Europe fans are loving this. I think we've seen it in junior Eurovision, actually. The Irish language Absolutely. has done really well and TG Carr promoted very well. So yes. I think there's definitely that direction and, that we can and go in. Europeans want it. They yeah. want it from us. Yeah. And that's so yeah. important because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are voting but this for is us. where I think we've, we've gone wrong in the past is that like we, we haven't maybe listened to the direction the competition is going in and we've tried to like maybe stay in a lane that that, uh, that has ceased to it's exist. It's not worked. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, we've definitely blown up the lane this year. Well, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're starting yeah. everything out of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and seeing what sticks. Yes. Wednesday, then we got a double drop on Wednesday. Yes. Uh, Isabella Kearney and her song Let, uh, Let Me... Light the fire. Let, let me, me be the let fire. Let me be the fire. Sorry. And then also, I am getting this wrong all week. Is it J Yellow L? J Yellow L. J Yellow L. Uh, featuring Toshin. Toshin, yeah. Uh, who I'm absolutely obsessed with. Um, and their track Judas. Uh, of either of them, do either of them stand a chance, or do you think that they're good, or what's your I what's your verdict? Isabella does. She's an outsider. Um, I could definitely hear this in the George. Like imagine yeah, this I on a Saturday yeah, night yeah, or yeah, Thursday, Thursday. Like yeah, that would be yeah, absolutely totally. iconic. I think um, the gays would flock to it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like we're flocking already. So <laughs> we're all like, yes, 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 yes. Um, JLOL, don't don't mark them out. Don't mark them out because K Money and ND last year, a lot of people wrote them off they yeah. finished third I agree I, agree. I don't think it has the same impact as K Money and ND did I, I agree with you there it, but it's a nice track and it's, it's a, a nice, nice track. Yeah. variety I within the selection room I, I, for do, that genre. I, do, I do like the fact that it's it's such a it's a style of music that you just would not expect to hear within an Irish lineup and exactly. it's nice to be bringing those kind of newer communities but and even European you know not other national yes. finals you never see the style of music yeah. and I love the way we're the ones kind of pushing yeah. it in yeah. recent years yeah. so it's so good to see because of course our you know, music genre like that is, is so huge within Ireland. So it's, yeah. it's, it's of course we need it in our national final. Absolutely, it's so and, huge and even here. by midweek, there's such a diverse lineup, isn't there? And we're only oh halfway God, through yeah, the, yeah. The, the lineup here now. Yeah, so. Absolutely. And now, I mean, onto another one that really was throwing away the rule book. On uh, the next day, we had Bambi Thug with a very different genre for Ireland. They themselves described it, described it Ouija pop. Yes. Um, so, what do you think of that? Or like, do they do they think that they could take? they could take centre stage at Eurovision for us and do well. Definitely. We spoke to them uh, a few days before the announcement came in and just listening to what they were saying and the plans that they have. Yeah, that's it. Oh, it, it just was ticking the boxes, ticking the boxes. And yeah. I could only imagine what they would bring to the Eurovision stage. But that's what we need. We need something that's out of the box. Thing. We need yeah. something yeah. that will, yeah. you know, wake up Europe and be like, oh my God, Ireland's actually showed up to the party this year. Yeah, Bambi absolutely. And that's Bambi. That's yeah, Bambi, Bambi Tug is... Um, they're an artist. Oh, absolutely. You know, aren't they? And I actually was speaking to James earlier. I actually know Bambi Tug from when we oh, were really? younger. Yeah. Deadly. And they're an incredible artist. And I've been following them for a long time. Um, and and I, I just hope that they're able to portray what they want to portray on in the Late Late Show. That's because, the word with every song, though. You know yeah, what I mean? Late Late Show can make or break them. And most I think, of the time, it breaks them. Yeah. Exactly. I think what they could do on a Eurovision stage would be incredible. Yes. Um, and I listen to the podcast and I, and I know that they, they've got pl- fantastic plans. Yes. Um, and I just hope that they're able to portray it. I'm going to say, and I know we'll probably make our predictions at the end, they're one of my favourites so far. And, I'm, and I know that I know them from, from, ye- no, from years no, no, gone no, by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually... I think they, they've got the full package. Yeah, and I think yeah. Europe, coming off um, Finland last year... Absolutely. I think yeah. they, they could do really well. The, the Bizarre does so well. Like and you like those songs that really slap you in the face with their oddness, like, you know, like Cha 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 or Who the Hell's Edgar. Yeah, there you go. Like, they're, they're songs that are memorable, so you want yeah. that, you want to be different. You're absolutely. not looking for that generic ballad absolutely, anymore. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And as well, just a point, important point about Bambi, the budget issues with Orti, it's a small budget, and Bambi was talking in our interview with them about how they've done music videos for £500 and yeah. stuff like that. Like, yeah. 
they can make things work really, really well with such a small budget. So I, I, I think brilliant. Wow, uh, I'm excited to see to what they do. They, if you haven't heard Bambi, I would say take a listen to their music because some of their songs are brilliant yeah. and like that absolutely like I'm a girly pop kind of gay like I love that, that <laughs> kind of music and Brooke and that's rich that's the genre that I would always go for uh, but there's something about the song that sticks out to me yep okay um only yesterday, Louis Walsh threw his hat into the ring with his new bo- boy band next in line. Their song is called Love Like Us. Now, they're very young, aren't they, James? They really are. Like, th- this is kind of, <laughs> well, you we, know... We were listening and we were like, the, the, I think the eldest is 22. And I nearly yeah. got sick. 18 to 22. Yeah. It's like yeah. someone has like gone around yeah. to a Freshers Week tent and just yeah. found <laughs> the, 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 like, the, mo- the ones who looked the most like ASOS models. Exactly. And... <laughs> exactly. Now, the song is actually a really nice song. It's a very typical Irish boy band band song it really is isn't yeah. it isn't it and, and and like it's not a bad song they don't have much experience we sent a band last year whether you would call them a, a typical boy band or not I don't know but we sent a band last year who definitely had more experience I don't know what you think it mm. backfired for us oh definitely do you Jesus, think that they could do, do you think that they could do better or do we need to wait and see what they're like live first I think give them a chance give them a chance they've not done a lot but they have been prepping for this we spoke to them a few days ago and they were saying that they've been prepping for a year for this not knowing that it was for Eurovision but they've yeah. known that the song was being released they've been working on this they revamped it as well from the earlier sessions that they had so they've been working and working on this they've done some gigs in I think it's Asia or somewhere like that. Okay, um, so they have, so they have some stage experience. Okay. Now, whether it clicks together and is enough for them to win, I don't know. But I think, you know, again, I mean, don't, Louis don't has struggled twice with exactly, the, yeah. with, with, the, with the, the old boy band, is, so don't rule they, them out. They, they will appeal to the late, late audience for sure. That's it, that's the it. people that tune in and the people that vote will absolutely, my mum will love them. Yeah. yeah. She'll be their little doughty pets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, that, it's that intersection between the Instagram gays and the mothers yeah. that will be like voting for yeah, them. Totally. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, th- it is very strong. It's a very diverse lineup. We haven't been doing very well over the last couple of years. Um, and as a fan, and I know you're a huge fan as well, it's so disappointing. What do you think we need this year? Who do we need Who do we need to be sending in your own opinion? I, I think we need a wake-up call. Um, I think Europe needs to realise that we're still in the party. So I think that would leave me personally with Bambi, Elsha uh, and Erica. I'll yeah. throw Erica into the mix. Yeah. But yeah. actually, genuinely, I mean this hand on heart, I will be happy with any of them because I actually do genuinely like each of the songs. But I think for me personally, a wake-up call is needed. So a high-impact song like Bambi Tug yeah. or yeah. Elsha. And the thing about it, we saw it with Brooke, you don't have to even qualify no, to, to be successful. It. And she left like she left a mark in the competition and she was someone that we could have been proud of. Yeah. If yeah. we even got that this year, we'd be absolutely. laughing. If, yeah. we could, if we can get another That's Rich out of this, I'm absolutely <laughs> living for it. Another Brooks Cullion in the making. Yeah. Absolutely. But Listen. I just want to be standing there in the arena and hear Ireland qualify. You know, yeah. that, oh, just that feeling. My God. Whether we finish last in the final or whatever, I just want that feeling of, yes, it would be we're, we're there, we're there. Yeah. So no, we'll, just, we'll wait and see. With fingers bated crossed. breath, fingers <laughs> crossed. Connor, thanks so much for coming. Thank to you chat for having us. me. You never, we, we'll have to get on to you again closer to the competition. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's brilliant. Thanks for coming in. Thank, Thank you so, so much for coming in. in.
If you want to hear more from Connor about what's coming up in your vision this year, you can reach out to him. His Instagram is ESC underscore Connor, and he's got a podcast called Air Vision Podcast. And if you're a fan like me, you're gonna love it. Oh my god, he is so knowledgeable, and this is what I, I like. I, I love when people go deep. On I know Eurovision. I got giddy yeah. there, didn't I? <laughs> you really did. You took over. <laughs> I know. I, I know. was like, whose show is this? <laughs> it's my body call. It's my body call. <laughs> uh, but that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, of course, that if you or anyone you know needs support, the National LGBT Helpline is there to listen in confidence and without judgment, seven days a week on eighteen. 18- 929 I've been James O'Hagan and if you want to come over and join me on the little boat on my Instagram you can it's James underscore James O underscore Hagen uh, or James O underscore who knows but you know you'll find <laughs> you'll me find somewhere him. you'll, you'll find, find me somewhere <laughs> <laughs> I'm Podrick Wilson McCarthy thanks for listening if you want to reach out for to me my handle everywhere is Podrick underscore WMC and you can of course get in touch with the show over on our dedicated Instagram page at Curiosity Radio or give us an email curiosity at dublincityfm.ie to let us know what you think of the show or if you think there's anything that we're missing or should be covering we'd love to hear from you so thanks so much Now I've got one more song for us James Oh we're being played out We're being played out and this is a Eurovision classic in my eyes it didn't do very well on the stage but it's brilliant it's Sinead Mulvey and Black Daisy and etc Oh we live We live We live Renaissance (laughs) Renaissance <laughs>